Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Um, we come here from all different kinds of places and all different kinds of things, and what we need is more of you. We don't need more of me. We just need more of you. Would you speak to us through your word this morning? Thank you for the truth it contains for our lives, for our eternities. We just want to dive in it and hear your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome 930. It's good to see you. And welcome to those of you at our Tremont campus who are joining us. We're pumped that you're here and are part of Grace Free Church. And for all those watching online, too, this is pretty cool. Pretty cool to have you um, jumping in here. We are in our last message before like Good Friday kicking off here at Cresona. There's no Good Friday service at Tremont. Should have mentioned that earlier, but we'll have two Good Friday services here Friday. Good Friday is Friday. And uh, Easter is Sunday. And um, we're excited about that. And it should be an awesome time celebrating and and kind of just really focusing in on what is most important in this faith that we participate in every week. What's most important, what it all hangs on, is this cross and the empty tomb. Without that, we're just wasting our time. So, would you flip your Bibles, if you have them, or pop your phones open uh, to Luke chapter 19 and verse 28, or if you don't want to do that, you can just listen in. Um, to the message as I read this passage. I want to read to you uh, one of the accounts of Palm Sunday that we'll jump around a little bit um, this morning and kind of like pull in from the other accounts. It's an account of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's heading into town to kind of like kick off what is about to happen. This is the start of it. It's, it's time. And so I'm just going to read this to you, and then we're going to jump into the message this morning. Luke chapter 28, or sorry, Luke chapter 19 and verse 28. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, colt as in age, donkey as in species. Got it? Okay. Which no one has ever (laughs) ridden. Um, Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. I don't think that's going to work. Like if you try to borrow somebody's car on your street, like, oh, the Lord needs it. I don't think that'll work this week, but this is no ordinary story. This is no ordinary cult of a donkey. And this is, uh, so you might, I don't know, you could try it. Um, don't call me, though, from jail. We don't bail people out. <laughs> we love you, but we won't bail you out. All right. This is a great start. <laughs> Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Good thing they were prepared for that moment. They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. It's a beautiful sign. Um of respect and honor to a king. 
when he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Other accounts have Hosanna in there, which means save us now. Save us now, they're chanting as they sing praises to Jesus. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, because it wasn't just the disciples, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I think that's only the second time in the Bible it talks about Jesus weeping. I don't know if you remember last time. It was outside of Lazarus' grave as he wept over death and this consequence to sin that had been ushered into the world as he wept over the people who, like, he loved Lazarus. He was important to him. And here again, he weeps. And he says this. This is so powerful, right? If you... Even you had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now is hidden from your eyes. I'm not missing it. Especially this week, but every week, I don't want to miss it. I'm not missing it. That's the name of this message. That's what I'm calling it. You can write that down if you're taking notes. I encourage you to make that declaration by the end of it for yourself No matter what my circumstances look like, no matter how confused I am, no matter what's going on in my life, I'm not missing it. You ever have FOMO? Do you know what FOMO is? Some people got FOMO. Our drummer was at the Phillies game yesterday. I had FOMO, right? Like fear of missing out. That's what the acronym is. I don't know what Jimmy Sheridan, our executive pastor, has done to me, but all of a sudden acronyms are finding themselves into every (laughs) message. I'm not a fan of acronyms. I think they're rather nerdy, but last week, talking about prayer, I laid out an acronym for how to pray. It was pray, remember that? So I'm not saying I'm really creative at it, but I also don't, don't like acronyms. Fear of missing out, I see it. I see it happen with my kids. I remember what it feels like. Sometimes it still hits my soul. It's actually, there's actually a definition for this acronym. The definition of FOMO is anxiety caused by fear of missing out on an opportunity or an experience. And what's hysterical about the definition is it goes on to say usually sparked by or driven by social media, right? Like, FOMO is when you get, you, you see somebody doing something you want and you are afraid to miss out, but instead of just being like, ah, uh, it's not my time, or maybe, maybe I'll catch that next time, or maybe I should plan that in the future, you have anxiety about missing out on it. I think this really hits the second children in homes more than the first children, right? Like it's, <laughs> my, my brothers always fear missing out on something. It's so funny, we'll like live in a world where we'll see something on social media and we'll wanna be a part of it and we'll actually have anxiety because we're not. We'll hear about a friend going out for dinner with another friend 
And instead of being happy for them and looking forward to the time where we get to spend time with both those people, it'll cause us anxiety because we're afraid of missing out. So many people are afraid of missing the party, but don't care about missing their purpose. They're af afraid of missing out on the serotonin rush from all the likes and visibility they'll get when other people notice that they were part of the crowd too, but we don't really fear whether we're walking in God's will or not. We'll fear all kinds of silly things like going out for dinner, being on that mom's play date with all the other moms and all their other kids, getting to go to that concert. We'll be afraid of missing out on the, the sweet coffee get-togethers with all the other coffee people in our lives. We'll be afraid of missing out on the prom. We'll be afraid of missing out on all. But we won't be afraid of missing out on what's most important for our spiritual health. I'm not missing it. And there's so many distractions. There's so many circumstances that pop into our lives. There's so much hurt we have to walk through. There's so many expectations placed on us by others and by ourselves that are pulling us away from what's most important. This week more than any other week, but it should be every week, I'm not missing out on what God has for me. Jesus comes to this passage after a series of doing the miraculous and saying, shh, <laughs> shh, don't tell anybody, right? Like, you know, the, you know the movie, shh, right? Like, just a, I got a whole pocket full of shh. Don't tell anybody. He like heals a person. And then his, the big reveal is like, okay, keep this quiet. He'll take a, a leper and like heal the leprosy they're dealing with and be like, okay, okay, like go to the temple and go through the process to be released back into society as someone who's healed, but don't tell them I did it. I'm like, well, why not? Like, why wouldn't you seize the opportunity? This has got a lot of buzz. Like, double down on it. Post it on social media. Boost it if you can't get the word out fast enough. Where's the TikTok video? This is some epic stuff. Jesus is quiet because it's not time. It's not time. It's not, I know we don't like to hear that. We want now to be our time, right now, and nothing else is good enough. Why do I have to wait to experience my purpose? Why do I have to wait to see the fruit of all my labor? Why do I have to wait to not feel lonely anymore? Why do I have to wait to, to experience the best God has for me? I mean, I, I had somebody mention to me on a comment in a video, we had this dialogue that we, we post a lot, I post a lot of sermon videos, Anywhere there's a dark place, which basically means like all of social media, right? Like, so I feel like it's our responsibility to be a little bit of light in those places. And I had somebody say, I've been waiting for 65 years. That's crazy. Nothing seems to change. Right now is when we want it. Right now is our time. 
but it's not always God's time. I don't know what you've been waiting for or what you've been looking for in life, what you've been searching for. And maybe you feel like you're walking through a bit of a valley, hoping that God shows up, expecting him and wanting him to show up right now. Maybe you've been looking for some change in an area of your life, and I just, I don't, I don't like this, but we need it. We need the reminder. God's timing is not always right now on our time. And his timing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're looking for, even though it could be so painful just waiting, his timing is always better. I, I love this part of the story where Jesus is like, hey, you two, I wonder who the two were. I wish I knew who the two were, like, like you two, out of all the crowd, they were the ones who happened to be standing. Like they probably felt unlucky at first, but what an incredible privilege this would turn out to be. At, at first they were probably like, oh no, we knew we should have been like, the rule is like three rows back from Jesus. Like you guys, it's like the rule here is like three rows back from Josh. I feel like they're even setting the chairs back there in hopes that you'll sit closer to me even though it's actually farther away from me, right? Like they're, I wonder if the disciples were like, oh man, we weren't paying attention. We were talking about the epic Phillies and we got it up too close to Jesus and he taps us to go on this, this mission because it's time for him to make his grand entrance into Jerusalem to do what would be necessary for our salvation, right? It's time. And they tap him and they say, okay, there's a donkey. Um, in some of the accounts, you learn that the colt was actually with his donkey mom. I don't know. I'm not a donkeyer. <laughs> Although some of you may want to use another name for donkey in reference to me right now. <laughs> yeah, we know. You're a, don't say it. Don't even think it. God knows your heart. He knows if you're thinking it. So, uh, right? Like, uh, I don't know what the proper terminology is, but in other accounts, you get the picture of this happening. I think in Matthew, it tells us that they were tied up outside of a door in this town, by the street, outside of a, of a door of a house, this mother donkey. Somebody, somebody's going to email me the proper scientific name later. I know it. And I'm not going to reply. Don't get mad at me. Um, and then... Uh, because I don't reply to anybody. Anyway, um, so, uh, and then this colt, this donkey, this donkey colt was there. I, I, I love that just in this picture of Jesus saying it's time, in his sovereignty, 500 years from Zechariah 9-9, where it predicted that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem, the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem, on the colt of a donkey. 500 years. God's timing may surprise you, but it doesn't surprise him. The things you're walking through in life, they surprise you, but it doesn't surprise him. I love that he gives us this thing called free will, this, this freedom to experience his love and to make choices and to, to just 
it's so, such a beautiful part of experiencing life and experiencing life even the way he wants you to experience. But what also gives me comfort, it's not my ability to make free choices because I realize that a whole lot of those add conflict and mess my life up a little bit. Do you know what gives me hope in the midst of these surprises that I see all around me, most of them unwanted? What gives me hope is that God knows what he's doing, and he's sovereign. That's a big, fancy, fancy theological term that, that demonstrates to us that God knows all, and nothing surprises him. That he has a plan for you in your life, even if you don't feel it right now, even if you don't understand it. He has a plan for your life. He is sovereign over your life. I don't have to be in control because I know God's got it. He's in control. There's no greater source of comfort when you're walking through difficult things than to know that God is not surprised. He's ready. He's prepared me. He's walking me through it. He's tied some stuff up. We don't, we don't like the tied up stuff. <laughs> this, this beautiful picture of this donkey tied up outside of the, the house, outside of a closed door, I, and I know it's just a donkey, right? Like it's the cult of donkey. It doesn't know its backside. Well, it does know its backside from its front side. You know, what, you know what I'm saying, like, right? Like it's not, it's not got some grand scope of what the, the theological implications of what's about to happen in its life is. It doesn't have some study Bible laying out all the, the steps it's gonna take. And it has no comprehension that the king, the Messiah of the world would be riding on its back in like two minutes it just knows it's tied up. Maybe it's just hungry. Maybe it's just waiting for somebody to come out that door in front of it to give it a little carrot. I don't know what donkeys eat. Do they eat carrots? Cabbage, something like that, like, right? Like some sugar cubes? That's, a, that's one. I remember seeing that in a movie about horse family type animals, um, which I think a donkey is. <laughs> it's just tied up there. Could it be possible that God is tying some stuff up in your life. There's some doors closed in your life because God is sovereignly directing you towards something better. We fight the rope when sometimes we should be thanking God for it. Why didn't this relationship work out? Maybe God tied it up because it was taking you somewhere not good. Why did I get fired from that job? Maybe God tied it up because you were missing your purpose. Why am I going through this stuff? Maybe God's tying you up because he cares too much about your soul to let you just continue to walk down a dark road you can't see the end of. I don't like when God ties things up in my life, but I'm learning to be thankful even in the middle of the frustration because I trust him. I trust him. And I, and I know that my view is limited. 
my view, my view is limited. I can't see it all. There's the crowds. There's, there's two crowds following Jesus. There's one crowd coming in to Jerusalem from the other road. You see, Pilate's coming in, leading a procession of soldiers on the other end of Jerusalem as a sign of power. They're riding into town because on this day, the beginning of Passover celebrations in Jerusalem, when all the crowds are coming to worship, all the people are trying to come from all the neighboring towns for temple to, to celebrate this very important religious event. There was an uprising one day, and so the soldiers of Rome are riding into town to kind of like say, this is our town, this is how things are gonna end up for us. Don't try anything out of line. We're in power here. You have another crowd, the crowds, two crowds following Jesus. You have a crowd of disciples. They're all swept up in this moment. They expect Jesus to ride into town to kick the Romans and the empire out and to take his rightful seat, the throne of Jerusalem as the Messiah. They were so excited and overcome with passion because what they thought was going to happen, what they had missed is that the Messiah was coming for something so much bigger. What they thought was going to happen is that the Messiah was going to come, this Jesus was going to come, take up his throne in Jerusalem and rule and bring prosperity through the politics of the day. And then you have this other crowd, the Pharisees. They were not interested in any of those nonsense stories. You know what they were interested in? Control. <laughs> Their religious control. And here you have the conversion of these crowds all missing it. All missing it. One crowd missing it just because they are limited in their view and scope of what God can do in their lives. Maybe that's the crowd you're in. You celebrate the momentary victories, but as soon as those victories are passed, like this crowd, they disappear from the picture. I don't think everybody in this crowd chant Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna were the same ones chanting crucify, crucify, crucify him, but the chances of there being some in that group are probably true. What I think most of this crowd of disciples did when things got tough in a couple of days is they split. You have this crowd missing it. Their, their view was limited and it was small of God. They were letting their expectations drive their worship. And then you have this other crowd. This other crowd just fighting desperately, white knuckling their illusion of control on their life and the people around them. And all were missing it. I don't know what crowd you find yourself in, but I know it's super easy. It's super easy both to let our circumstances dictate our faith instead of the other way around. And it's super easy to cling on to the illusions we have of control over our own lives instead of just trusting God and following him and admitting that we don't see it all going on. Maybe you've been resistant to God because you don't want to lose something. 
Maybe you've been like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I'm afraid of what it's gonna cost me. I get it, I've, I've stood in that crowd. I've stood in that crowd. All of, all of them limited in their view of what actually was going on. The donkey was such a huge piece, prophetically proclaimed throughout the Old Testament, this moment in time where Jesus strolled in. A crowd of people wanting a king their own way and a crowd of people wanting to remain kings of their own lives. I don't want to be in either of those crowds. I don't want a Jesus who just does whatever I want him to do and just makes me feel better about whatever I want to do. He's not king of my life. He's just this little like self-help card I got in my back pocket to help me every once in a while. I know he's bigger than that and I know he can do more through my life in that. I'm not interested in a God who is too, so small he can fit in my pocket. And I'm not interested anymore, although this used to interest me a whole lot. I'm not interested in this, indulging this illusion of control in my life. I'm interested in following the real king. Both of them missed it. But Jesus, he rolled into town on a donkey, a sign of a king coming in peace. On the way to the battle, they would ride the horses, these kings and leaders. On the way home from the wind, they rode a donkey. It would signify to everybody that was there waiting, it's all gonna be okay. Like, would your king ride a donkey if he was gonna get ambushed? Would your king ride a donkey if he thought he was gonna have to split? Would your king ride a donkey if he was afraid of being assassinated? This king would come back riding into town on a donkey. It contrasts a pilot on his war horse saying that I am a king and I have come in peace to bring peace. Jesus was doing so much more. He wasn't interested in being on a political throne. Hear that. He wasn't interested in just removing a, a, a temporary piece of bondage from the people's lives. He wasn't interested in just rescuing them from their circumstances in that moment. He was coming to do something so much bigger. He was coming to sit on the throne of eternity, to snatch up the keys of Hades and death. He was coming to sit on the throne of your heart. And the king was riding into town. It was time. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Jesus, I, I got two, two things here, right? Like at the, I think that captures a point of this story. Pretty good one. Jesus cares greatly. Jesus cares greatly. You know, you can tell a lot by how somebody cries. You ever see somebody angry cry like Will Smith at the Oscars? <laughs> he said some stuff. Did you catch it though? Like after all the ridiculous nonsense. I mean, clearly dude's got some brokenness. Uh, probably, we all do. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna jump into that noise, right? Like, but, but you can see at the end of that, right? Like I've done it. Have you done it? I've, I've done this. You're so angry and you have the, all that emotion like... 
and it just, you start like tearing up, angry cry. Like angry cries when you've crossed the line of crazy. I'm not judging anybody. I do it like you, you do it. We all do it, right? Like angry, angry cry is sparked by a little bit of crazy. You ever see somebody like happy cry? Happy cry? somebody's watching a commercial and they're like, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because it's beautiful. I'm so happy. I'm so happy, right? Like happy cries are kind of like a response for like an awe moment, usually one that catches us off guard. Like, oh, that's so sweet. It's, it's just, it's such a beautiful commercial, right? Like you see that big football player holding that kid's hand. I'm happy crying. I'm happy crying. Weeping, though, hits different. What is recorded about Jesus weeping, it is different. I know you've wept. It's bitter. It's from deep in the soul. Uh, here's, here's where I think weeping cry comes from. I think it comes from great love combined with great brokenness. Now, I'm not saying Jesus was broken. I'm saying he saw all the brokenness. And when he saw his brokenness, his heart was not cold. His heart was not angry. Why do you think when he sees your brokenness that his heart is cold to you? Why do you think when Jesus sees your brokenness that he is angry towards you? He sees the brokenness of them all missing it. And when you put that next to his incredible passionate, pursuing, unconditional love, he weeps. God cares greatly about you. Even when you're missing it, when your circumstances are dictating your faith instead of your faith dictating your circumstances, he cares so deeply for you. He breaks for the things that are breaking you. He loves you. Jesus cares so deeply when you see him weeping, you see his incredible love butting up against our incredible brokenness. And he's weeping because he didn't want them to miss it. He's weeping because they were missing it. They missed it. Their circumstances and their desires we're blinding them from missing the absolute incredible thing God was doing in front of them. So I named this title, I don't want to miss it. I don't, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what God's doing because I'm too focused on my circumstances and not focused enough on him. I don't want to I don't want to miss the joy he has for me because I'm allowing myself to be consumed by everything else. I don't want to miss what God has for me because I'm desiring something less than what he has for me. I don't want to miss it. And sometimes you just got to declare it. Sometimes you just got to say, I have been missing it. I've been so caught up in all this other stuff. I've been so distracted in everything I got to do. I've been so torn apart by all of the heartache and all of the people and all the disappointment and all the garbage I have going on in my life. I've been missing it, but not anymore. 
I'm going to declare it out loud. I'm going to declare it from the depths of me. I believe this God is sovereign, that he has a plan for my life, that he's not surprised by the circumstances in my life. I believe this God's tied some stuff up, not to hurt me or harm me, but because he loves me, because he doesn't want me to miss it. I'm not going to miss it anymore. Don't let your circumstances blind you from what God wants to do. Don't let the heartache crush your spirit and miss the incredible love he has for you. Don't let your journey down your path keep you from missing God's path for you. His plan is better. And his love is deeper. And he will not abandon you. He has not abandoned you. Your best days are still ahead. And God is gonna do something bigger in your heart and in your life than you could have comprehended. He's not interested on sitting some, on some propped up throne we create for him in a corner of our world. He's interested in sitting on the throne of your heart. But you got a choice. In his love, He's given us a choice because we're not robots or clones. He's given us a choice because we are created in his image. He's given us a choice. This week, I'm choosing not to miss it. I know there will be plenty of distractions. I'm choosing not to miss it. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you so much for what we are celebrating this week. We want to lay the coats of our heart, the palm branches of our heart down before you and sing Hosanna because it's true. You're a king who comes for our hearts and peace. You would demonstrate your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were missing it, you died for us. Sometimes I'm like the crowd who wants control. Sometimes I'm like the crowd who just wants it my way right away. And I admit that, acknowledging that your way is always better. Your timing is always right. We don't want to miss what you want to do in our lives. Thank you for continuing to pursue us with your grace, for allowing us to live in your grace. Man, what an awesome privilege it is to celebrate the cross and the empty tomb this week. Would you fill our hearts with joy? Would you erupt our mouths with worship? Would you help us to experience the incredible freedom you played, paid for with your blood this week. We're so thankful, so thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.